Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and producer of Konevitsya, The Well, a podcast series about interesting and remarkable Ukrainians from around the globe. Today is Friday, March 11th, 2022. This episode has been produced for the Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper that has been reporting on the Ukrainian community around the world since 1933. And our guest for this episode is Sergei Mirny, who was a commander of Radiation Reconnaissance Platoon in Chernobyl in 1986. He's a writer, he's an international expert in the field of nuclear energy. He's a co-founder of the Chernobyl Tour Group and also a founder of Chernobyl University. Welcome, Sergei. How are you? Hi, everyone. Well, uh, you know, I am uh, reasonably fine uh, under the circumstances. Uh, now I am uh, in uh, Kiev, uh, I would even say in downtown Kiev, at the bank, at the left bank of Dnipro River, near Metro Station Levoberezhna, which means uh, left bank. Well, you know, this war added a lot of work to, to everyone, and this uh, work is uh, aimed uh, to defend our country. And so, well, I am in this process, and well, I am working, uh, to tell the truth, mostly not leaving my apartment, and I believe it's an important work. Sergei, we first met over four years ago at the New York Times Travel Show in New York City. And at the time, you were there with a uh, booth to try to encourage people to take your Chernobyl travel tours. And so we've come a very strange, long way since then. I don't think either of us could have imagined we'd be here today talking about war in Ukraine. But unfortunately, here we are in the 16th day of war in Ukraine. So I'd like you to give our audience some background on yourself, personal background in terms of education, and then a little bit about your professional background. Okay, well, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of paradoxical, but I, I, uh, under the circumstances, uh, it looks like I, I need to start from my uh, military education because when I studied chemistry at Kharkiv State University, now Karazin National Kharkiv University. We also had the military department uh, and I graduated from university having uh, good training, including field training, the rank of lieutenant in reserve and the military speciality, commander of motorized drive to platoon. And then uh, three years later, I was taken to field training, uh, which imitated the beginning of the World War III. And I received uh, my second military profession, commander of radiation, chemical and bacteriological uh, surveillance platoon. And three years later, there was Chernobyl and I was there exactly at this position, uh, driving uh, in the zone, in the Chernobyl 30 kilometer zone, uh, and also, you know, uh, planning and managing the uh, surveillance of, of the only company which was responsible for the 30-kilometer zone and uh, which worked for the main military headquarters, 
it was called the operative group of the Ministry of Defense of the USSR. Okay, after this, I received my second Master of Sciences uh, from Manchester Central European University Joint uh, Program uh, in, in Environmental Sciences in, uh, and Policy. And the graduate has become an expert. I would not say that I am an expert in nuclear energy, but I am rather expert in multidisciplinary uh, assessment of um, nuclear accident aftermath and their mitigation and, of course, prevention. And I also shared my Chernobyl experience in several award-winning pieces of writing, like novella, documentary novel, and fiction novel, and uh, a screenplay called The Chernobyl Comedy. Can you tell us what's happening at Chernobyl today? You know, I know that the Russians have taken over this decommissioned nuclear power plant, but I also read that just recently, they disconnected it from the Ukrainian power grid. So what exactly does that mean? What are the consequences of that? Uh, well, indeed, uh, they say the, uh, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant, and, and it is equally important that they say the uh, several uh, spent nuclear storage facilities and other nuclear waste facilities near the Chernobyl nuclear power plant and in the Chernobyl uh, zone. So they detained uh, the shifts of the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. And now there are about roughly 100 workers of the nuclear power plant uh, who work uh, like 14 days uh, instead of three-day shift. They work 13 days with, with, uh, with, no with no change of the shift. Plus, so to say, prisoners of war, the guards of the Chernobyl nuclear power plants. And, well, funny enough, there are also four illegal visitors, illegal tourists in, uh, tourists in the Chernobyl zone, uh, so-called stalkers, who also decided to give up and uh, to, to came to the Chernobyl nuclear power plant when the war started. One day ago, uh, I believe it was because of the, um, of the heavy combat between Chernobyl and Kiev, uh, high-voltage uh, power line uh, was severed, and the Chernobyl nuclear power plant was uh, disconnected from the grid, from the power supply. You know, our listeners, U.S. should know that uh, the nuclear power plant uh, does not produce any electricity from, from the December of 2000. It consumes electricity. And the electricity is necessary, you know, to uh, properly maintain it, to, well, you know, to, to run it, to control radiation safety of those huge uh, nuclear masses which are uh, stored, stored at, uh, at this facility. Fortunately, they, oh, well, not fortunately, but it's planned. Of course, they have a, a backup electricity power supply, uh, diesel generators of electricity. They are designed for, uh, for peaceful uh, circumstances when any uh, problems with uh, electricity supply should be fixed in, I would say, 24 hours for sure. And this is the problem because uh, they will soon route, uh, run out of, of this source of energy 
and it means the, the loss of control. Uh, under such conditions, it is equally important that it's necessary to constantly cool some nuclear uh, storage facilities, uh, well, spent nuclear fuel facilities, to be precise. And if it fails, it means that it will be heating the water in which uh, at one facility those uh, nuclear fuel uh, assemblies, they are immersed in water. The water can start evaporate, and it means the increase of uh, neutron bombardment of, of those assemblies, because water normally absorbs them. And it makes uh, dangerous there, so increases ch chances of chain reaction. Hopefully it won't happen, but anyway, theoretically, it, this opportunity exists. And then eventually the, the, the nuclear matter, because of heating, uh, can uh, produce thermal explosion. And depending on capacity of this explosion, uh, the radioactive matter can be dispersed at different areas. You know, uh, I, I cannot predict it. It may be rather small area around the nuclear power plant or particular nuclear spent fuel storage facility, or it may be much more substantial. A week ago today, the Russians took over or started shelling the nuclear power plant in Zaporizhia in southern Ukraine. And one of the, they call it an administrative building there, actually caught on fire and the Russian soldiers were not allowing the Ukrainian staff to put out the fire. What are the long-term consequences of this? Eventually, they did put out the fire from what I've read, but the Russians are still in control of this nuclear facility. Well, uh, I am to tell you that so far, this, I even don't know how to call it, uh, you know, it is far beyond uh, a, an accident. So this abnormal occurrence, uh, abnormal event uh, at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, so far it followed, uh, I would say, one of the, of the mildest uh, scenarios uh, imaginable so far. And it was uh, really uh, partly of good luck, partly of uh, adequate actions of the Ukrainians, both the guards of the nuclear power plant and the workers. At the moment, it is the power plant is captured by, uh, by the Russians. And so the, the workers of the nuclear power plant uh, manage it under their automatic rifles. Uh, and of course, it puts additional stress on, on the employees of the nuclear power plant. And it grossly increases uh, probability of human error. And it is one of the most important sources of, uh, of risks uh, for the, this facility. It is what is in the focus of attention of uh, a nuclear experts all over the globe who look at this um, uh, particular power plant. And I understand that this power plant has the largest number of reactors in Ukraine and probably in Europe as well. In Europe, it is the biggest nuclear power plant in Europe. It has uh, six uh, nuclear reactors, uh, 1,000 megawatt each. Uh, and for that matter, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant uh, now has uh, three reactors uh, which are not fully decommissioned, and the fourth exploded nuclear reactor which caused uh, the Chernobyl disaster. How many nuclear power plants are there in total in Ukraine, and how many reactors? In total, in Ukraine, there are four nuclear power plants, working nuclear power plants, which has 15 nuclear reactors in total, plus uh, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant, three 
reactors at the, at the different stages of decommissioning plus the ruin of reactor four. So in total, it makes like 19 reactors. And uh, if I uh, follow in your line of uh, asking me, line of thought, I would uh, say without any pause that the problem is uh, with the South Ukrainian nuclear power plant, which is presently located just at, uh, uh, I would say, 100 kilometer distance from the front line, from the places where... Uh, the combat uh, with, with Russians goes. The Russians are clearly aim at this nuclear power plant. And of course, well, you know, no comments uh, are unnecessary. And how much electricity is produced by nuclear power in Ukraine? Well, nuclear power plant provide a substantial share of the electricity in Ukraine. I would say that it's uh, roughly 50, roughly, roughly half of Ukrainian electricity normally is produced by nuclear power plants. The two other nuclear power plants are located in the northwest of Ukraine? Correct. And at this point, they're really not affected by what's been going on in the South, correct? Yes, that's correct. But uh, as we understand, the north of Ukraine is not far from uh, used to be friendly Belarus, you know, from which uh, the Russian troops invaded. And so they are located not at big distance from the Russian border. And this is the problem, first. Second, you know, the actions of the Russian, uh, especially during last days, when they started to be defeated at the, in, in combat, they just started uh, leveling up of uh, uh, peaceful Ukrainian cities li- like Kharkiv, like Mariupol, like Sumy, Akhtyrka, and small uh, towns uh, near Kiev, Bucha, Irpin, Gostomel. Uh, All this makes me think of important rage. Uh, in which uh, uh, the uh, state and military, authorities, and military authorities are. And it is exactly this, sta- uh, this state in which they can start shooting not only at schools and kindergartens and uh, hospitals, uh, but they can shoot at nuclear facilities because... How shall I put it? Well, you, you know, it was crazy, in, 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 to put it simple. It was crazy to invade the Ukraine. Crazy for Russians, uh, for obvious reasons. It was crazy to get hold, to attack the, the Parisian nuclear power plant, and so on and so forth. And who knows what will be the next degree of craziness of, the, of our older brother, as they used to, to call themselves. Sergei, we're almost out of time, but I did want to ask you one more question. Is there any international organization that oversees what's going on in Ukraine with nuclear power? Is there anyone who can actually step in and stop this craziness? There should be such an organization because basically they they, they do exist. For example, International Atomic Energy Agency United Nations organization uh, who oversees all activities, uh, all nuclear peaceful activities. 
the United, the United Nations itself, you know, the governments of the lead, leading world powers. And uh, the thing is that uh, international community, including, for example, American employees in many countries, uh, inclu- including Interpol uh, employees globally, for decades uh, after disintegration of the Soviet Union, they monitored possible smuggling of minuscule uh, quantities of uh, radioactive or matter of uh, fission, fission materials, you know, like ounces or pounds. Now, guys who are, well, basically terrorists, they got hold of tens, if not hundreds of tons of highly radioactive fission matter. And the response, you know, of of all uh, the authorities who are supposed to oversee, to control, to prevent, it's it's miserable. You know, it's practically zero. It's just uh, minuscule statements to to tell you that uh, if uh, being engulfed by uh, war, those nuclear facilities of, of, of Ukraine, they can produce such huge amount that, you know, Chernobyl, unfortunately, could be seen, you know, as a far cry, you know, as a very small scale disaster as compared to what, uh, to the potential in terms of radioactive matter and the possibility to, of its dispersion all over the area, all over the continent, which is now in hold and in play at the Ukraine territory and it's it's unbearable you know it's uh, it's inadmissible i would say sergey thank you so much for speaking with us today thank you for your interest i hope that you will spread the the word and it will help to put this dangerous situation under efficient uh, effective control thank you and good luck goodbye i have been speaking with sergey mirny who is a Ukrainian international expert in the field of nuclear accidents. And he was the leader or commander of the radiation reconnaissance platoon in Chernobyl in 1986. He founded Chernobyl University and also the Chernobyl tour group. And he has been talking about the situation with the capture and threatened capture of Ukrainian nuclear power plants. And I'm Mike Burek, your host and producer of Penelitsia, The Well, a podcast series about interesting and remarkable Ukrainians around the globe. This episode has been produced for the Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper that has been reporting on the Ukrainian community around the world since 1933. Until next time, that's all for now.